Good morning, everybody. We have a great crowd on campus here. And by our analytics, over 100 people watching on screens on the front row here online as well. So big, awesome hi to everybody. Everybody feeling good today? Awesome, awesome. Well, I want to uh, propose something to you. I want you to imagine with me that it's just me and you together, just the two of us. We're here at Hickory Grove together. And if you're watching online, just imagine you're here with me. And I'll walk you over to the Family Life Center building, which is the other building connected to this one here in the Worship Center. And I'll walk you into that area. And if you don't know this, we have a gym there in the room, a gymnasium. And standing in that gym is none other than the great King James, LeBron James. He's got a basketball under his arm. And I say to you, I've set this all up. I've set up a one-on-one -on -one game of basketball between you and LeBron James. You're welcome, right? But as you're about to approach him and meet him, I say, wait, wait, wait. See, me and God were pretty tight, and we've been praying. I've been talking to him a lot, and he actually told me that you're going to actually win this game of one-on-one. -on -one. You're going to win. I've seen the future. It's guaranteed. Now go have fun. Now, in all honesty, Think about this for a moment. How would you respond if you were to know you were going into a game against LeBron James, one-on-one, -on -one, in a gym, and you were going to win that game? How many of y'all would talk at least a little bit of trash to LeBron James? Like, throw it at him, you know what I'm saying? You're about to go down, buddy. You might be king of NBA, but I'm king of this gym. I'm king of Hickory Grove's gym. How many of y'all would do just a little bit of that? Nobody? I'd talk a little bit of trash at least. Yeah. At the very least, I think I would play more loosely. I'd feel a little bit more of a swag or a little bit more confidence. Like, okay, this isn't bad. I'm, I don't have to be nervous. I'm going to have some fun with this. Now, I know that sounds silly. It's such a silly scenario. But I want us to sort of, uh, together today, grasp that kind of confidence. In fact, what we're literally going to do together as we do the very last sermon in the Deployed series, by the way, I'm excited about that. We've been nine weeks in the same sermon series. I'm tired of hearing myself say deployed. I know you're tired of hearing me say deployed, but let's not forget this. We are deployed. Long after this series is over, long before we even thought about talking about being deployed, we've always been deployed. You know, the church is not a place, it's a people. So if you follow Jesus Christ, wherever you are, you are the church. Let's never forget that no matter what. Long after this pandemic is something we read about in the history textbooks like my grandkids will read probably. Uh, long after that time, let's never forget that. But I am excited that we're winding it down today. And what we're going to learn together today is this, how we win no matter what. How we win no matter what. We have guaranteed victory. Just like in that scenario where I said, hey, you're going to beat LeBron James. I'm here to tell you today on the authority of the Bible, the Word of God, we win. I've heard it said like this. I've heard other preachers say this. This book called the Bible, I've read to the end. I skipped to the last chapter, and we win. Spoiler alert. We win. Well, that's what we're going to do together today. I want to read to you the spoiler. We're going to look at just a few verses in the next to the next to the last chapter in the Bible. It's Revelation chapter 20. Now, I know you kiddos with your swag bags today got like a blank comic book, right? Where you can create your own comic book. Now, what I'm about to read to you from the Bible talks about the end of things, and it is epic. 
I could only imagine what it would look like, some of you really good artists out there, what it would look like if you could draw what I'm about to read to you, because it's epic stuff. So Revelation 20, I'm read to you starting in verse 1. It says this, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. Listen, that's cray-cray right there. That's like epic stuff. Draw that. I want to see a picture of that. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. All right, down to verse 7. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Whew. That was a lot right there. That was like straight up out of like a Marvel movie or like Lord of the Rings part four or something like that. It was epic. Now, if you're like me, you're hearing some of that. You're like, what does some of that even mean? There's a lot there. Like we could probably spend weeks talking about a lot of the words that we just read. You know, this is the book of Revelation. It's apocalyptic literature. And there's many, many books and sermons that have been written and recorded about, okay, how much of some of these words are symbolic in nature? How much of these are supposed to be taken literally? And if we're not careful, all of that will distract us from the main point of what I just read. And let me explain that to you. Satan loses. That's the main point. Evil loses. God wins. Jesus wins. The people of God win. That's the spoiler. We win no matter what. It has been foretold. It is in the Word of God. It is in the Bible. So I go to a place of practicality here. Now I could park there and, and want to parse that out a little bit, and that's fun to do. But I want to go to a, a question of practicality. If this is true, and it is, I believe the Bible to be completely true, and I hope you do too. If that's true, then how should we live? How then should we live if we're guaranteed that Satan loses, evil loses, the enemy loses, God wins, Jesus wins, woo-hoo? Then how do we live if that's the case? Well, I'll read to you uh, from the first of two letters that Paul wrote his apprentice Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul wrote this. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. 
Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I love this passage. And the sentence that jumps off the page to me that explains to us how we must live now if we know we're guaranteed victory is simply this. Fight the good fight of the faith. That's what we must do. Fight the good fight of the faith. So many times, oh, we're fighting a fight in this life. But if we were to take a step back and look at what we're fighting, it's not the good fight of the faith. It's a different kind of fight. We have to shift gears a little bit. What are you fighting for? What's your life all about? What are you striving for? What are you, what are you putting in work for? What, what's it all about? What's it really for at the end of days? This fighting the good fight of the faith reminds me that, see, we fight to become what God wants us to become. We fight to do His will and not our will. And we fight against temptation. Though the enemy is a defeated enemy, and he knows what his, his end is going to be, and if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, he can't have your soul. So what he does until then is try to mess with your life, try to distract you and get you to fight the wrong fight and not the good fight of the faith. I like what Paul says after that. He says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Here's something I want you to know and understand about eternal life. Eternal life isn't just a quantity of life. It's a quality of life. It's not just how long you live after you breathe your last breath on this earth, although that's awesome and wonderful. It's how you live today and the next day until you take that last breath on this earth. And we miss this. We miss this because we think, isn't it cool that because of Jesus and he died on the cross and he stepped out of his grave that if I believe in him, I will get to live on after I die. Well, friends, if that's all you think it is, you are totally missing so much of the life that God has for you. Because he doesn't say, Paul did not say there, Timothy, when you die, you'll finally get to take hold of your eternal life. But you got to wait till you die first. He didn't say that here. He said, take hold of it now. This is what you're called to. Take hold of the eternal life that you were called to have. And friends, that's what God is telling you to do right now. Take hold of it today. Live the eternal life that he sent his son Jesus to die for you to have. Live it out right now. Live it out today. It's not just about living forever. It's about living the abundant life. That's what Jesus said in John 10, 10. I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I'm not trying to sell you that, oh, everything's going to be great. Everything's always going to be awesome. Your circumstances are always going to be ideal. No, don't forget, we live in a very fallen, cursed world. Uh, that's the understatement of the past five months, right? A fallen, broken world. That we understand, right? So our circumstances aren't always going to be ideal. But friends, eternal life transcends all of that. You can still, uh, Paul listed it here. He listed it. He said, godliness, faith, love, righteousness, steadfastness, gentleness, those things, they cannot be taken away from you no matter what the circumstances are. 
You fight to live that out. You fight to hold on to that no matter what. Instead of trying to achieve the American dream, do you see how Paul parked on riches and belongings and stuff? He parked on that for a little while. That's not what we're to fight for, guys. Instead, we fight the good fight of the faith. Paul mentions this again in his second letter to Timothy. And it gets a little bit, I don't know, emotional. Because in the second letter, Paul knows this might be one of the last letters, if not the last letter, he'll write his apprentice Timothy. Because he's about to lose his life for his faith. So he says this in 2 Timothy 4, 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Friends, let me tell you this today. Our award is not here. Our award is not here. If you begin to think about the things that you've lost during this pandemic, things like milestone moments, that either had to be canceled or done way differently, creatively, in a weird way. Some have lost income. Some have lost health. When you think about what you've lost during this pandemic, the things I just listed, they're not bad things. But they are temporary things. Those things I just named will not last forever. And I believe what God is calling us to understand and know is that the thing that you might be fighting for might be something that isn't going to last anyway, so why not fight a different fight? A fight that you're going to win because the enemy is defeated already. God wants you to experience godliness. He wants you to become everything He created you to become. He wants you to experience love, joy, peace, gentleness, steadfastness. He wishes to pour all that out on you. Fight the good fight of the faith for a different kind of award. The stuff that we're fighting to achieve on this side of eternity, it's mostly temporary, if we're being honest. And that's why I want us to make this, for this deployed series, we talked about your next steps and what you're deployed to do. We want to close this series by deploying you to answer three questions today. Here they are. First, what are you fighting for right now? What are you fighting for right now? And secondly, what award are you striving for right now? It's actually another way to ask the first question. And I have this sneaking suspicion that if all of us who are watching and listening online, who are here in this room, if we're being honest before God, probably about 98% of us would not, be, <laughs> would not be happy and proud of our answers. And it's, listen, our answers probably aren't bad things. There's just not eternal things. What you're fighting for, what you're striving for, they're not bad things usually. A comfortable way of living, achieving a certain goal, a certain income, a certain degree, 
Now, for some of us, it's like, I just want to eat this one thing today. It's like this one thing, I really want to go eat that today. That's my goal. That's what I'm fighting for right now. That might be your goal. As silly as that may sound, the things that we fight for, we strive for, that we set a goal for, let's be real before God. Let's be honest with ourselves. They're temporary. They're not forever. They're not eternal. And that's why I asked this last question. Are you ready to let God help you change those answers in your life? Will you invite him to say, okay, God, I need you to do a work in me because what I'm fighting for right now is not the good fight of the faith. And he's asking you today, he's inviting you today with his help to take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. But have you done that yet? Have you done that? He has won the victory. Spoiler, he wins his people win. His children win. Are you on that victory team? He never forces anyone to do that. But he's paid for it through his son, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's what's amazing about this victory. This victory we're talking about, Jesus paid it all. And he's Lord of all. And in the end, he will rule it all. Satan and evil, it will, it will be completely annihilated one day. But until then... While we live in this broken, hurting, confused, scared world, friends, I invite you, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. If you've never done that, I invite you to do it right here and right now as we pray. God, I thank you that you paid it all through your son Jesus, that victory is ours because it is yours. And Lord, right now, those who might be watching and listening online, those in this room, if there be even just one soul who's being honest before you would say, I have not taken hold of eternal life. It's time for them to take a step of faith. May they call upon your name and cry out to you right now and say, God, save me. God, make me your child. Please, Lord, give me this free gift of eternal life that you paid for through your son, Jesus. And Lord, you promise in your word that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Lord, what a glorious promise that is. I thank you that you freely give us eternal life. May we take hold of it today, Lord, and, and let us not put it on a shelf to wait till we die to take hold of it. Oh, Lord, you've taught us to take hold of it today. Lord, help us to begin to fight the good fight of the faith. Fight to become everything you want us to become. Fighting to live a life of, of loving sacrifice to others around us. To be the deployed church, oh Lord, that others may see you in us by how we live our lives. Lord, help us to fight that fight starting right here, right now. And I pray it all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope that you have found a step, even if it's a tiny step of faith to take today. And if you have, we want to know about that. Maybe you haven't done that, but you're interested in knowing more about how to take a step of faith. You want to take a step of faith. Talk to us. We want to hear from you. Just text the word STEP to our landline number, 859-356-3162. I know it sounds like a simple, silly thing to do, but by just texting that one word to us, we want to talk to you. We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you. We want to equip you because he's not done with you. 
He's got a big old plan for your life to use you to glorify Himself right where you are as the deployed church. Thanks for worshiping with us today, guys. God bless you. Hey, next week we begin a brand new series. We're simply calling it the God Series because right now in these crazy times, I hope people are searching for something that is real, something that doesn't change, something they can have confidence in. What's real, what's true out there? It's God. And if you know of someone who's really seeking Him right now, and maybe even you are, don't miss next week as we launch into that new series. Thanks for worshiping with us, guys. God bless you.